Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. We have been in a series on the book of Acts. Who enjoys the word of God? Who in here reads your Bible? Three of us. That's awesome. See that? Never more of an illustrated sermon than the issues we are facing today. When the church doesn't read its, her Bible, we have an issue. This Bible is life, man. When I first radically got saved, man, I tell you what, I moved to Nashville. I was a dude on a couch. I didn't even have my own bedroom, so I just stayed on the couch with a bunch of other guys, and I couldn't put the word down. I would stay up till four o'clock in the morning just reading the Bible. It was like life to me. I mean, it felt like I felt like sustenance from it like you would get from you've been you've been starving and you're eating a wholesome meal and I remember one night I asked the Lord I just want one more word one more it was like 4 a.m. and I flipped to the book of Psalms where it says he gives his beloved rest and I was like God are you telling me to go to bed and the Lord said yes so I went to sleep amen but the Lord is so good and I promise you this man I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been going through something, facing something, praying about something, and I open the word, and it is like the answer is right there because it is a living word. Amen. Amen. Who is grateful for the living word? Come on. Jesus stood against the enemy, and he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Everything he quoted is found in the same Bible that we hold in our hands today. So if the Lord Jesus used the word, how much more should you use the word? Come on. The Bible says it's the sword of the spirit that severs between the divide of the soul and the spirit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And your soul wants to govern through mind, will, and emotions where it has easily been influenced from the world. But you're supposed to live from your spirit man that has been connected to Jesus' spirit. And from that place, you govern yourself. Amen. Who in here has ever had a moment when your soul really got in control and you were depressed, you were weighed down, you were heavy, whatever, you were going through that moment, and then you grabbed a hold of the Word of God, the Spirit rose up, and you were able to get a victory. If so, say amen. Thankful for that. Our feelings are not always on our side, but you know what? They don't have to be because God is always on our side. Yeah, as long as we're living in sin, and then tough luck. People are like, God loves everybody, but the Bible says He hates the wicked. Oh, there's that. (laughs) But you're not wicked. You're a child of God. Amen. So we've been running through the book of Acts now for five weekends. I want you to remind you that as you read the Word of God, these are actual facts. This happened. This is not a fictional story to encourage you. This is not some parable that didn't happen but encourages you of spiritual truth through it. This is literal truth that when you read Philip was translated, Philip was translated, he was somewhere, and then he was somewhere else. That when you read a city was shaken, that city was shaken by the hand of God. Amen. That when you read Paul was stoned, they thought he was dead. The believers prayed and he woke up and jumped up and ran back in the city. That actual fact happened. A ship was on the sea for over two weeks, battered. But because the Lord spoke to Paul, nobody died on that boat and everybody safely got to shore. These things happen. So when you read it, understand that if God did it then with the new covenant church, how much is he doing on the earth today? And how much can he do through you? Mighty and great things. So all actual facts. Christ poured into 12 people and began a very huge movement that cost him his life. We understand that. 
But we know that was part of the plan from the beginning. His followers were filled upon their obedience to tarry and wait until they received that power. That power was God now filling their flesh with his holy presence, the Holy Spirit. Not one third of God, not God diluted, but the entirety of God coming to dwell in mankind. For, G- for the Lord said, I will no longer dwell in a temple made from man's hands, but he comes to feel the flesh that he has made. Amen. Amen. As the Bible says, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. So from the beginning, though, as you read the Word of God, and we've read now up to 14 chapters, from the very start, what you read, every chapter, basically, of the book of Acts, are miracle signs and wonders happening. We started this whole thing by saying the birthing of the New Covenant Church was a birthing of supernatural power, where Jesus, before he left the earth, looked at his disciples and said, you go and you wait until you get this supernatural touch from on high. They were obedient, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and miracles began to happen everywhere they went. Blind eyes opened, lame people walked, uh, things were multiplied. I mean, just miracle after miracle, it's all throughout the book of Acts, and he's still doing that today. Come on, who in here has seen genuine miracles? It's awesome to see just this man in Baton Rouge. Back pops, runs around the place, everybody knows it. I'm just sitting there like, he's running around the place. But the Lord did a supernatural miracle. He's a miracle-working God. But on the flip side, miracles are happening, but from right out the gate, opposition came too. That as soon as they were filled with the Spirit of God, what happened? They were mocked for it. People came right from all around Jerusalem just to begin to mock them and say, these guys are drunken, they're crazy, they're lunatics. And many of us have been, you know, endured that in the spirit-filled camps that people have made fun of us. But at the end of the day, it, we don't really care <laughs> because we've discovered one that is worthy of everything. So you can say what you want to say about me. People were saying things about me before I met Christ and those were justified. Now they can talk, but at least I know where I'm at. Amen. And so they were, they were mocked. Paul, Peter got up and said, these people aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. That's much too early to start drinking as we all know. If you drink before 12, you've got a serious problem, people. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't drink. So I, don't, I used to, but the Lord delivered me. Amen. And so ultimately opposition and miracles are found throughout the entire book of Acts. It's this whole thing. It's the flesh versus the spirit, which the Bible actually says your flesh is an enemy of God. And so if you've ever been told by the Lord to do something, but your flesh is not on board, then you have met this head on. And you know that fleshly mind that operates through fear and and, and everything to tell you you're missing God. God's not with you. You're not good enough. You're not special enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not big enough. You're not smart enough. You're not educated enough. You don't have enough money. You're never going to make it. And the spirit says, well, through Christ. All things are possible. Amen. So we understand this. We live like this where you have to keep yourself on the spirit side. And when you get too far on the flesh side, you feel like you're depressed. And then you have your wife that comes and slaps you upside your head and then speaks of you. And then your kid kicks you in their shin and says, be a man of God. And then you just gird up your loins. Amen. And you walk out there. And I actually have been saying gird up your loins for many years. And I didn't actually know what I was saying. But your loins actually is your private parts, apparently. <laughs> so I think... It into what's that? It was a dress that turned into pants. It was a robe that turned into pants. You took, it turned into a pants. You pulled it up and you turned it into pants. Oh, she's sah- saying men used to wear dresses. 
And they were told to gird them and tie them up like pants. Yes, so put on your chains. Well, I like it more this way. Put on your spiritual jock strap and go out there. <laughs> get the job done, man. <laughs> Welcome to Bible College today. We're going deep in Revelation this morning. I'm going to just move past every other thought coming to my mind right now. Keep going with the word. So I can get on this, I can get on this train for a while right now. <laughs> Gird them up, boys. All right, moving on. So we have found ourselves from the start. The gospel was hated by political figureheads. Jesus was hated from political figureheads. You still see it today. That because it is about control with some people, evil people seek the control of men and women. Christ came to set you free. Yes. Amen. God, the one who has supreme power, supreme authority that could make you bow down anytime he wants to, has given you the free will to do that while still on this earth. There will come a time that every knee will bow in reverence to the Almighty. But I thank the Lord that I do it willingly now so that on that day it's a victorious day for me. Amen. So... The opposition came in political figureheads. It still comes. Religious leaders, religious people still stand against the things of God. And then people that stood to profit against uh, in wickedness, like people that made idols and stuff like that, they hated it. They hated freedom. They hated people breaking free. That would be like if you walk into a Barnes and Nobles. I don't know. I haven't been in one in years. I actually don't even know if they still exist. Do they? Okay. There's a little Bible section that's this big. The Bible section has been degraded to this big. And there's a teen witchcraft section that's an entire bookshelf. And see, it's multiple sections. Teen witchcraft, just broadcast right there. You got this tiny little Bible section. Every time I walk that, I'd be like, I'm buying that. You know? <laughs> but uh, ultimately, they stand to profit as the gospel declines because people, look, they're lo people are looking for spiritual power. I mean, that's the thing. The, the religious people are always the ones that basically will let the devil have all the power, but they mock anybody in the church that stands for power. And I don't understand that. Why would the devil and all his lackeys have greater power than my God? Bro, you ain't seen nothing yet. My God is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the mightiest, the biggest, the best, the strongest, the most glorious. Everything else is a substitute or a copycat, but my God was the original source of all power. Amen. Amen. And I have felt it. It has changed my life. So the book of Acts is filled with miracle after miracle, lame men walking, kings being struck with a uh, curse after taking the glory of God and being eaten by worms. Don't do that. Bad idea. One advisor was struck blind as they were trying to mock the word and stop it from being preached. Husband and wives dropped dead after lying concerning the things of God. Dorcas, though, was resurrected. Blind eyes opened. Prison walls and doors opened up. Backs straightened. Sailors lived through storms. Vipers bit but did no damage. Philip was translated from one place to another. Over and over, we've discovered that miracles followed the New Covenant Church. Miracles should follow the New Covenant Church. Now, some people tried to fake it till they made it. Make it. The seven sons of Sceva tried to act like they had power, but they didn't have power. They were beaten and fled the place naked. So Simon the sorcerer tried to purchase the power, but you can't purchase the things of God. You can only get it through humble submission and the giving of your life to Christ Jesus, and then he will pour it out as he wills. Say, as he wills. As he wills. 
Amen. And Herod tried to take the glory of God. That's why he was struck sick. It only flowed, the power of God only flows when believers shared the gospel and they prayed together. That's the only time the power flows. You don't just sit there and wake up one morning and have great power and you can shoot a lightning bolt across the television to the Yahoo person talking on TV. However great that would be sometimes. You've all thought it, so don't look at me like, I can't believe, whatever. You're like, you, just, you threw your shoe at the, at the TV. What you really wish is you could throw lightning bolts sometimes, but you can't do that because you, 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 you don't have that power. But you preach the gospel, God can do supernatural things. Amen? Last week, we finished at Acts chapter 13, where Paul and Barnabas were singled out as apostles, not last week, the week before, to the Gentiles. So apostle means a sent one. A lot of people today want to be an apostle, but they ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Me and Pastor Mike, we love that one because we thought of the same person. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> apostle doodad that's been sitting for 85 years. Bro, if you're an apostle, you're going somewhere. You're being sent by the Lord, and you're being sent on a divine mission to a specific place or people. Paul would actually introduce himself in the letters of the epistles as Paul, an apostle to the Gentiles. He knew his part. I have been called and I've been sent to the unreached people. Amen. Amen. God will send you into great and glorious stories if you would just follow the leading of God. But as we finished last week, they were already doing this. They just got singled out by the Holy Ghost as if a word of encouragement, keep doing what you're doing. Beginning Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas continue preaching the word, and here's a powerful scripture beginning verse 8 in Acts 14. It says, While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He'd been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and he was listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Paul realized that he had faith to be healed. Let me read that again. Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to the man in a loud voice, stand up, and the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Awesome miracle. Who is grateful that the Lord has given each of us a measure of faith? Come on, and through that faith, you have access to the supernatural things of God. Paul perceived this man had faith. The man was instantaneously healed. He'd been crippled from the time he was born. So verse 11, the crowd saw what Paul had done, and they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. It's just like mankind. We always want to worship the vessel that God is using and misplace that the fact is it's God that does these things. We always assume also that if if God's going to do something through someone, they must be the most incredible person ever. God has used donkeys, right? So remember this. If you don't feel like you're amazing, you are are, as long as you're one step above a total screw-up, God can use you. If you are a total screw-up, mercy can flow and you can be redeemed and then God can use you. Amen. Amen. So never write a person off. The Lord uses who he's got to use. I mean, honestly, God has to deal with us. I mean, I think I'm a great person, but sometimes I do stupid stuff. (laughs) Have you ever had those moments where you do something and you're like, everything slows down and you're like, I might actually die. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're like, this looked better in my head. (laughs) And everything slows down, and you're like, I lived, I lived, whoa! <laughs> Never do that again. Backflips, not of the Lord at my age, you know? <laughs> it's a whole lot different when I was younger, you know? But ultimately, 
things happen. Parent of child 0494, begin your shame walk toward... No. <laughs> it's probably actually my kid. No. Now, watch what happens here. Now, a miracle breaks forth. It's incredible miracle. Supernatural. Paul preached the gospel, perceived that this man had faith. This man really received a genuine miracle and he began to walk. So people began to worship Paul. Paul knew, you do not touch the glory of God. Amen. Never take credit for what God does. He's the one that gets the glory. If a miracle breaks loose, he did it. Amen. Point everybody to Jesus. They began to point people to Jesus. The crowd turned from worshiping them to hating them in 2.3 seconds. To where they drug them out of the city and stoned them. And the Bible says that literally Paul was stoned and they actually thought he was dead. He may have actually died because he laid there lifeless until the other believers surrounded him and began to pray. And then Paul jumped up and ran back into the city, the Bible says. I had a revelation about Paul. When we were reading about Stephen, Stephen, you know, did great miracles. He was called before the courts one time and he was killed for what he said because Stephen tore them apart. I mean, he called them every for like the, the longest rebuke ever. And you could just imagine people are like, Stephen, stop, stop. They get the point. They get it. And he kept going until the Bible says they were like writhingly mad. You know, they, they lost it. They saw red and they stoned him to death. And Paul was basically the same as Stephen. Like everywhere throughout the Bible, you read where they restrained Paul from going in the courtroom because Paul would have walked up in there and he would have opened his mouth and he would have been dead. And the Lord was like, not right now. There's still something else for you to do. So the moral of the story is this. Spiritual battles exist like this all the time. You can tell you're in a spiritual battle when things actually don't make natural sense. I'll point it to you this way. In the realm of politics, why is it so heated all the time? Because that's a spiritual area where the enemy wants to set up his control to dominate the minds and the people of any, any country around there. And so when you take a stand for freedom, what happens? People lose their ever-loving mind. People go nuts. They're screaming. Families break apart. This is not natural. This is a heated spiritual thing that takes place. Acts 14, it's not natural to go from, man, I love Bobby. Bobby's the greatest to whack with a stone in two minutes. Right? So we read this and we understand there are spiritual forces at play. If you ever come across something in this natural world that is the violent, the anger, the buttons, the pushing, it's because the enemy operates in these tactics to destroy the freedom that God came to give men and women. Amen. But understand this, that even if the enemy comes at you, you might just be like a Paul. Where you get stoned, we were just in Baton Rouge with a pastor. He's the only person I have ever met today in this modern society that has been stoned for the gospel. He was preaching in Kyrgyzstan, and they started throwing stones at him. And a young lady pled with him, you get out of here now. Her, her whole face was blackened where they had already beaten her. But she'd been in the, in the village for years and said, they won't kill me. They will only beat me to the point of death. But they will mur murder you if you don't get out of here right now. He had to drive as stones were hitting his head and everything. They're driving. They're pelting them with rocks. That's in like modern society. So you understand there's a spiritual battle going on, people. Now, in America, we might not see that, but it does exist out there. Wild times. So 
They were worshipped, then they were hated. Spiritual fights look, look like this. Extreme swings of violence and rage. Just look at certain areas where you see it manifest itself. Moving on to Acts chapter 15. So, Acts 15 is a radical one. I want to read verse 5, first and foremost. It's pretty funny. It has to do with what we were talking about earlier. It says, when some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. Okay. Now, this is a big heated topic because it's one thing that when you're eight days old, according to Jewish law, that you got circumcised. It's another thing altogether when you're 42 years old and they're telling you it's time to snip the boy. Like this was heated. Okay. Are you with me right now? Now, what this is actually about, this is the whole war that existed between the Israelites, the Jewish people, were really angry and upset. They did not want the gift of God to be given to the Gentiles. They had been the chosen people forever, and now everything's being poured out the same in the Gentiles as it was with us, but they're a bunch of heathen. They don't, they don't wash their hands before they eat. They, 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 don't, they don't get napkins. Come on, guys. We have sleeves for that stuff. They, they, they shower every other day, and they're not circumcised. So they wanted these people. If you want Jesus, you have to follow the law of Moses is what they wanted. And obviously, the Gentiles did not want to follow the law of Moses. It was so heated that they literally sent delegates to Jerusalem to discuss this matter. And this is what has been given to, to us. This is the early church in the head of Jerusalem, and they came up with this in verse 28. It says, It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols. Who in here does not eat food offered to idols? Two of us. All right. And then it says, From consuming blood. Who in here has stopped drinking blood since you followed the Lord? <laughs> We're just trying to get the basics down here. Or meat of strangled animals or from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. And then verse 31. There was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. People are like, praise God, I can do that. Are you with me right now? Radical, right? What this actually reminds me of is the story of the prodigal son. In actual fact, that's what that story is about. There are two sons. One son, the younger son, squandered everything the father had given him. And he lived and spent it all on righteous living, the Bible says, in a lewd way. And lost everything in a foreign country and was starving, eating the food that was given to the pigs. And reasoned within himself, even the servants in my father's house eat better than this. So I will humble myself. I will go back to my father and I will become a servant in my father's house because it is better than where I am right here. The young, the young son came back to his dad. But from a far way off, the father sees the young son. And he doesn't welcome him as a servant. He welcomes him back as a son. So he takes a robe and he puts it on the back of his son. That represents what Jesus said. That he took our robes of unrighteousness and placed his robes of righteousness upon us. Amen. Who in here is grateful for the fact that Christ redeemed you, man? I'm telling you, I was not this great of a person before Christ Jesus. I'm forever grateful for what he has done in my life. And I will honor him all of my days because I've never met anybody like the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
And then it says he placed a ring on his finger, which represents the authority of the house. The insignia of the house, which has authority. He is a son of this man. So authority has been redeemed to the church of Jesus Christ. We have power over unclean spirits, power over wicked things, power over dark things. The enemy does not have power over a born-again believer. Amen. Curses are broken. Thank you, Jesus. Sickness is dealt with. Fear is broken. Sin is, is taken from your life. And you've been bought and transferred into a brand new kingdom. Amen. And so that's what this represents. But the older son did not celebrate what the father did with the younger son. He said within himself, I have, I have worked my whole life. I've done everything for you. This is the realm of religious self-righteousness. That when your righteousness is based upon your self-worth and what you do to where you feel you have acquired a greater place, this is where you slip to becoming the older son. And then he's angry and he's disgruntled of what the father is doing in a person that he does not deem worthy of this honor. Let me tell you something. Nobody is worthy of what Christ has done for them. If you lived a hundred years and read the Bible nine hours a day and fasted every other day and gave to the poor and pet chickens and cats and took care of them and frolicked with the tulips, you still are not worthy of being entered into the kingdom of God. Good people will go to hell. Understand that because they, in their self-righteousness, have turned themselves away from God and not humbly receive what Christ has given to them. So people that you think are doing great will split hell wide open. And it's a crazy thing to realize, but that's the truth of the matter. And then people that you feel would have been written off, humble themselves, cry out to God, and the glory of God swoops in and delivers that person. Because the only way to heaven is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Somebody give him some praise. That's it. So that's what this was all about. It was about Jewish people angry and upset. The Gentiles do not deserve this. We have been the chosen people. We're the ones that were brought out of Egypt. They don't deserve this. But God, in his mercy, had always had this plan to give to the Gentiles exactly what he gave to his own chosen people. Thank God for that. Amen, somebody. So... The whole fight was, and it still exists today. Now it's, it still exists in this Judaism, Christianity way, but it also exists within the Christian denomination of self-righteous religious people that are upset with who God uses. They don't like change. Come on. We had someone comment on our page that our worship team is like a rock and roll band. <laughs> That's right. We know the rock and he rolled away, baby. But I laughed. I was like, man, it's like a compliment at the same time as it's a rebuke. I was like, praise God, we're a rock and roll band. I knew we were hitting something good. Religion always wants to hold things and stifle things, and God is always doing a new thing. Behold, I'll do a new thing, says the Lord. Catch the wind of the Spirit, follow the flow, go where the river goes, and you will not regret a single day of your life. But don't hold on to what happened back in 1927 as the only thing that God does. God is a good God. He's ever flowing, ever moving, ever shaking the nations of the world. Right. Amen. So don't let religion in. And I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, I check myself on this too. I've been serving the Lord long enough. I'm like, do not let me get to the point. Because there's a lot of people in the church that become professional criticizers of everything. Yes. They take it as their job to criticize everything the Lord does. Watch who you criticize. 
watch what you say. If you don't personally know them and have not sat in back rooms with them, then there's really no reason to talk. You can watch social media and you can make a judgment. But if you judge something that is of the Lord, then that's on you. Amen. So humble yourself. Realize God chooses to use people in varied capacities and in various ways. And he will get the glory. And he's the one that you're following. And let the Lord lead you forward and you just do what God tells you to do. We don't need any more ministries whose whole purpose is to destroy other ministries. Come on. Grow up. Be filled with love. Stop arguing over things. And move on with Jesus. Support each other. Pray for the church. It's like this story I, I, I told regularly. I was watching this, this um, African wildlife show. And in the wildlife show, there's this water buffalo and there's a rhinoceros. And they start squaring off at the, at the watering hole. And obviously, a buffalo's big, but he's nothing compared to a rhino. So I was like, this ain't going to go well. And the buffalo, you know, hits at the rhino. The rhino guts him. I mean, first hit, horn right in the gut. And then already the, the, the buffalo's stumbling. And as I'm watching this, suddenly the herd of buffalo come around. Like oh, there was like a hundred of them came around and swarmed the rhino. And I was like, ooh. You know, I mean, I'm like, it's about to get real. And then the rhino turns and all the buffaloes begin to attack the buffalo. And I'm watching it thinking, what are they doing? They're attacking their own. And when I saw it, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, this is like my church. That as soon as one of them gets kicked, they all turn and start attacking each other. And I was like, may I never be that person. Come on. Everybody is so quick to bring judgment. Looks like they're going through a tough time. It must be the judgment of God. Or it could be for the glory of God. Amen. Or it could just be things happen. We live in a fallen world. So stop judging and just pray and believe and believe the best. Choose to be a person that believes the best of what God is doing with people. Don't try and find every problem out there. And remember, God uses flawed people. We're all flawed. Amen. Some days I'm great. Some days I'm not that great. Truth be told. When I'm hungry, I mean, when I'm fed, I am like the coolest dude that you've ever met. If you get me hungry, bro, and you have not fed me, I'm like, I don't have like, you come to me in counseling and I haven't eaten. I'm just be like, just suck it up, man. What's wrong with you, bro? I ain't got time for this. And they're like, what, what, what happened to peaceful little Pastor Caleb? I'm hungry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> there's times I have learned as I have grown up. Shut up. Just stay quiet. Just don't say anything right now. And I just sit there so mad and hungry. I'm like, until I finally eat and then I'll open my mouth. So if you ever see antisocial Caleb, it's probably because I need a Twix bar. <laughs> I've learned. When my wife is that way, I just open a candy bar and throw it at her and stand. <laughs> then she comes out shining like a Disney princess. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> ah. With me, don't throw a candy bar at me. Throw a steak my way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll eat it off the ground. I don't care. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> I mean, where I come from, we don't have the three-second rule. We have the five-minute rule. We, came, we have the finder's keeper's rule. You know what I'm saying? Who gave salmon to the dog? That's mine. Honey, he's licked. No, I'm just joking. 
It's not that desperate in our household. Praise the Lord for abundance. We can feed the dog and ourselves. Amen. <laughs> Some people have no idea how to handle me. I'm actually a very serious person. Super serious right now. Discussing really important topics. We are. So the prodigal son, the older son was mad based upon this single principle that in his mindset, there is a limitation to what God can give. And he wants his portion before someone else gets their portion. Let me tell you something. Our father in heaven is not short of any supply. If he can give healing there, he can give healing here. Amen. We had Caleb Wampler in the first service. I think he had to leave, but we had him get up and testify. Do you have the picture? Throw this picture up. Caleb Wampler, last week, the Lord opened the door. He went to Pakistan. And check this picture out. In one, two, boom. That's a sea of people, guys. 98% of the nation has not heard the gospel. 98% unreached. Muslim nation went there, police lockdown. He didn't share this in the first, uh, but he told me the police locked down the, the country the day they, they landed there and a military ban had been put on the crusade, but they had, uh, they had set the ban hours beforehand. They went ahead and had the crusade. Military started showing up and five people volunteered to be thrown in prison so that the event could take place. That's happening right now. And 132,924 decisions for Christ. That is awesome, man. That is awesome. Come on. Now, if you're looking at that and you think, man, one day I want to do that, let me encourage you with this. So into Caleb's ministry, and the Lord will open the door for you to stand on a platform and you to do that one day. Because our God is not short of anything. Amen. He's just looking to use willing vessels, so rejoice. Anytime a brother or sister gets a blessing, if you need a car today, when we give away the car, you rejoice and you give praise to God, and the next thing you know, God will give you a vehicle. He's, he's that way. He is not short of anything whatsoever. Amen. Amen. Come on, just to give a little, little shout out to the Lord. I, I don't like wearing masks, okay? I, I feel like I can't breathe well in them. So I'm flying back from Baton Rouge, and you always have to wear them on the plane. As soon as we take off, the stewardess comes to me and looks at me and says, you can take your mask off, sir. And I was like, I can? Don't tempt me with a good time. She's like, take it off, take it off. And so she told all of us to take it off. And I look over, and this dear couple on the far side were like, <sighs> I mean, they were so excited about it because, man, we like to breathe oxygen. Amen? And so, hey. The favor of God, another favor of God story while I'm on it. Years ago, we have to get Taylor a passport to go to Africa. And she has, we had one day to do it. We went into Tampa, places slam full. Have anybody ever had to get a passport before and you go in there? Everybody and their brother is in the place. There's like everybody signed up. And they have that little counter ticket number like at the meat, meat place at Publix. And so we grab our ticket at the door and it was like, Ticket 272, and we look up, and it's like, now serving 113. You're like, oh, great, you know, and you're there forever, and we sit down, and before we'd went in there, we prayed, God, we do not have much time. We have 30 minutes, I think. It was something ridiculous to get this done. Like, we're, it's an impossible situation. Give us favor. We sit down. 
Taylor leans down and picks up a ticket that was on the ground. It was just laying on the ground. She pulls it up. I'm sitting by her. She turns it over. And what number did I say there? 113. It says 114. Ding. Now serving 114. I mean, true story. We, we, we literally walked to the front, sat down, pick it up, walk straight to the counter. Bro, you could feel daggers. I mean, it was like to the point where they may stone us when we leave, but at least we're getting a passport. Like, people are like, ah. Favor ain't fair, but it sure is good, you know. But we were the, probably the only people that joined hands outside and prayed, God, we need a miracle to get through this passport line. And God gave us a miracle to get through that passport line. Amen. He's so good. So don't ever get jealous of what God does for another person. Train yourself to be exuberant and full of joy for what the Lord is doing in someone else's life. And that will splash over into your life. Amen. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 16. Verse 6. It says, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming into the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. And that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. This is amazing because the, one of the best things that happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you pray in tongues, it's powerful. The gifts of the Spirit are available. But you have access to the voice of God to lead you. You have the one that is the end before he even began, giving you instructions of where to go. And there are so many things in life that we face that we think this is the way that the Spirit of God is gracious to hold you back from. Anybody in here ever felt the restraining of the Holy Spirit before? The still, the loving restraint, that's not for you right now. When I launched into the ministry, it was a long process for us. I felt the call of God at a funeral the anointing was in the place. I was crying, outcrying the whole family. The family was glaring at me as I outcried them for someone that I didn't even know. But I felt the presence of God so strong in the room. And I knew this is what I want to live for. I want to live so that at my funeral, Jesus shows up. And so I wrote in my phone, this day I'm called in the full-time ministry. I will run and not grow weary and I will never give up until he takes me home. Marked it down in my phone, told my wife. She was like, no, not right now. <laughs> So then I had to wait on my missus to come around. And she came around, and I felt the release of God. When she, when she spoke it to me, felt this release. I book up meetings. I didn't even have sermons, and we're going into the ministry. I was working as a medical IT recruiter. I had six weeks of meetings booked. It was supernatural how it even happened. And out of nowhere, I get a message from a guy I've never met in my life that says, I was praying this morning. And your name came across my spirit. I pastor a church in Houston, Texas. The church is exploding right now. And I feel that you're supposed to be the pastor of this church. And I'm going to travel out more and more. I will pay you a salary of $150,000. You can start this next month. Please call me back. Out of nowhere. Now, 
bro, this seems like the, this is like the Lord. I've not made 150,000 yet. The day will come in the ministry, but I've not made that yet. This is nine years ago. I'm like, this is like this. I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden twinkle in my eye. Like, like, babe, slay the fatted calf. Papa coming home. I told you, girl, like you have all this thing going on. Like, I'm so anointed. I'm so called. And it's miraculous you're trying to reason it out because there's no way this person knows me and I don't know this person. So I call him. This is legit. I'm not, this is not some Nigerian scam. Not, this is not a Nigerian prince. I tell you what, you sold in 1.2 million respond with bank account information you're like pray no it's legit guy exists church exists true story his daughter had married like a nearly billionaire family large oil family and they had more money than they know what to do this church was exploding he was never going to have to do anything because he has all this money and so i pray about it and instantly the lord's like no, this is not me. And I'm like, but God, <laughs> you know, so like you're, but, the, but Lord, it's ministry. I mean, I'm, I'll preach your word. It's me. It's me, Caleb. You love me. You know, you, where you, you ever try to negotiate with the Lord? You just feel like, I mean, I do it all the time. And I don't know why I still do it because I never have ever won. It's like trying to negotiate with my daughter, Ellie. It doesn't work. So true, yeah. And so I'm like, right, but you get clever, you use scripture. I mean, you really, you really prepare for the negotiation with the Lord, and He always wins. Hopefully, if He didn't win and you got your own way, then you learned in the long run, I should have listened to the Lord. Seems like everything is perfect, but the Spirit restrains me. Let me tell you something do not be discouraged when things are not happening as fast as you want them to happen. Or it doesn't look like you think it should look. Forget that. You're being led by the Spirit of God. And He will lead you to the exact place at the exact time you need to be there. That's the grace of the God that we serve. Amen? You don't want to arrive too early. And you don't want to arrive too late. You don't want to be where you're not supposed to be. And you don't want to miss where you are supposed to be. And His faithfulness will lead you if you would just trust the Spirit of God to lead you. Paul's trying to go here. Everything's good. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to stir the place up. But the Spirit of God says, no, no, no. Long story short, that church, sad story. The guy's daughter that had married the billionaire backslid, stopped serving God, cheated on her husband. Marriage fell apart. All the money declined. Church blew up. Everything was gone in three years like that. If I had taken that path, that could have stopped the call of God on my life because I would have been caught up in something that I didn't need to be caught up in. But because I turned away from what seemed like a golden opportunity and started with seven people in Pratt, Kansas. I'm still going and they're not. Trust the Spirit of God. He will lead you exactly when you need to be led there. Come on, somebody. The same side. I mean, the same opportunity as from, so I had that opportunity in ministry. As I'm launching into ministry, I can go here, get this, this at this church. My boss comes to me. 
awesome guy, multimillionaire. I'll give you ownership shares in the company. You can pick any city in the world. I will set up a headquarters. You will get, you will get commissions on both sales and um, recruiting side. You tell me where you want to be. And I looked that man in the eyes and I said, no, I'm going. I've waited for this moment. I'm going to follow the, the call of God in my life. And he had tears in his eyes, multimillionaire. And he says, I knew you'd say that because you're not moved by money. And man, that blessed me. I was like, thank God for that. You know, that man sold the business and it was worth $14 million in three years from there. He's a multimillionaire now still. But you know what? You don't trade it for anything because you can also have all of that and still be empty. And I've met those people. I've sat with people that have later in their life with millions of dollars in the bank and they look at you and they're trying to figure out what did my life mean? And they feel, they're like, what is, what was it for? They're looking for legacy. They're looking for something that will live beyond them. But the only thing that matters and counts in eternity is what you do for God. So don't miss today what God has called you to do, because I promise you this, sowing into the kingdom of heaven is exactly what you want to do. Amen. Paul was restrained. Why was Paul restrained? Number one, God doesn't just hold you back from things because he doesn't want to bless you. Anything God holds back would have destroyed you, not blessed you. That's the first lesson you got to learn. Just because the world says this is the way does not mean that is the way. Just because it looks like the greatest thing ever does not mean it's going to be a reward to you. It could drag you, snare you down, and take your life away. And so Paul was restrained. Because God had something else for Paul to do. And he sent him to an area that was the most poverty-stricken area on the planet at that time. Study Macedonia. They were the poorest of the poor. In the Corinthian letter, it says that they were so poor, yet out of their dire poverty, they gave beyond themselves to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Paul later wrote in the Philippian letter, to the Philippians, which was the chief city of Macedonia, was the capital, just like... Tallahassee's our capital. Philippi was the capital of Macedonia. He wrote to the Philippians and said, You know that you are the only church that ever partnered with me financially to get the gospel out there. God restrained Paul to send him to a place no one was going to go to to acquire what he needed to continue moving forward in the ministry. Now, why did that matter? Because Paul was later thrown in prison. And he wouldn't have been able to support himself in prison because he was not preaching, he was not traveling out. But the Macedonians never stopped giving to Paul in prison. So if you read letters today, the Roman letter, the Ephesian letter, the Colossians letter, that still ministers to your spirit now because God restrained Paul from going somewhere that looked right and sent him somewhere that looked wrong to provide for this generation and every generation since a living word that still shakes you today. Somebody grab this. Our God is eternal. You can give fruit that lasts a week or you can give fruit that lasts eternity. But I promise you this. If you live for God, you will not ever regret the end of your life. Because you will be welcomed on the streets of gold and a celebration of heaven. And you will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we live for. That's who we live for. There is only one person. That you got to live for. And his name is Jesus. And if you know it, shout it out loud. Hallelujah, church. My gosh. Thank you, God. For your spirit that leads us. 
Thank you, God, that we can have all the voices of the world, but we have this still small voice on the inside that holds us and leads us and guides us and protects us and provides for us. And every good thing is found at the obedience to follow that voice. Man, you can trust God. You know why? Because he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. He doesn't have to win an election. He doesn't have to promise change and deliver nothing. He is eternal. He is steadfast. He is unchallengeable. He is the king of all kings. And when he speaks, he speaks because he loves you. Oh, my God. Even fleshly people will give you bad advice that are good people because they only live with a limited capacity of understanding. So I've led, the Lord has led me in areas where literally people close to me are like, what are you doing? But when you know it's God, you stick to God. And at the end, the fruit reveals itself. And then people know, well, the Lord led you in that place. Amen. Stop trying to figure out or stop trying. And don't be discouraged. Let me encourage you with that. Things take longer than we think they ought to take sometimes. Probably it's because we need to work on ourselves more than we think we need to work on ourselves. <laughs> Anybody in here? You know, I'm ever, I always look back at my life and I'm like, man, I was such an idiot. <laughs> like, honestly, you look back and, you're, and then you're like calculating, and then you're like, that was three weeks ago. <laughs> man, help me, Jesus. Like, where you humble yourself and you stay humble, you're like, man, I, I need you. Given everything I know, I still miss it. I still screw up. But the faithfulness of God is he turns it around. And the true grace of God is that he empowers you through everything that even though you miss it 700 times, on number 701, when you humble yourself and go for it, he restores everything and brings it to pass. And God will place you in places that will blow your mind. I can tell you truthfully, he will put you at the right place at the right time. If you feel like you've been in a restraining season, draw close to God and give praise that you are so close to him that you're actually hearing his voice and letting him hold you back. If you feel like God has called you into something that you don't understand, rejoice every day and know that God wouldn't have led you somewhere for no reason. It's for something good in your life to manifest and for the lives of other people. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. We'll wrap it up at this time. Now, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, the interesting thing about where the Lord led Paul and Silas, yes, it was provision, but it was also intense opposition. Paul and Silas were thrown into the prison in the midnight hour, the Bible says. So right where God led them was right where they were arrested and thrown into a prison cell. And that's the famous scripture where Paul and Silas in the midnight hour began to praise and worship the Lord. And the earth shook and the prison doors opened up and the shackles fell off of every prisoner in that place. So God can lead you to places where you are met with opposition. But trust the Lord. Because just because opposition is there does not mean God did not lead you to that place. If you really believe that God wants to take territory in this generation, then know sometimes he will lead you to a place that is, feels like a spiritual battle. But he is on your side and it will work out. Just praise him in the midst of everything. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.